No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that because the Jews vow to continue to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, the Lord's name will no longer be spoken by them. God will watch over them for adversity and not for good. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Jeremiah chapter 44 on Simply the Bible. Jeremiah had been taken against his will to Egypt along with the remnant of Jews whom King Nebuchadnezzar had left in Judah. The people had been burning incense and making cakes for the Queen of Heaven. This was probably Astart or Ishtar, the fertility goddess. It seems that the wives had led their husbands into this idolatry, but the men went along with it. Even though God had brought calamity upon Judah for such practices as these, the people were unwilling to abandon them. Therefore, God would bring calamity upon the Jews in Egypt as he had done with the Jews living in Jerusalem. We continue in Jeremiah chapter 44, verse 24. Moreover, Jeremiah said to all the people and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who are in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You and your wives have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely keep our vows that we have made to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings to her. You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. Even after Jeremiah had warned them what would happen, they stubbornly refused to repent of their idolatry, and they would continue to perform the vows they had made to the Queen of Heaven. Therefore, Jeremiah said to them, You will surely keep your vows. Now, was he being sarcastic? It is interesting that under the law, it was wrong to break a vow. Numbers 30 verse 2 said, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, we live in a culture where people say things and they don't do them. They make promises and don't think anything about breaking them. But that was not the case in Israel, even if a person made a vow to do something evil, they were still held to that vow. And so it could be that since they were unwilling to stop worshiping the Queen of Heaven, Jeremiah was just telling them, go ahead, do what you said. Keep the vows you've made with your mouths. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God lives. You see, this is what can happen to a person who backslides, who forsakes the Lord, and then the Lord forsakes them, and then they no longer even speak the name of the Lord. I have known people that were once very much involved in church, very much strong believers in Christ, and yet, they have turned back to the world and the name of Jesus is no longer on their lips. Behold, I will watch over them for adversity and not for good. And all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed 
by the sword and by famine until there is an end to them. Yet a small number who escaped the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah. And all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand, mine or theirs. And this shall be a sign to you, says the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for adversity. So God said, I'm going to watch over you, but I'm not going to watch over you for good, but for adversity. Now, why would the Lord do this? It's because they continually would not listen to God. And so God was going to make sure that his word that he had spoken to them, namely that calamity was going to come upon them there in Egypt as it had done in Judah because of their idolatry and their disobedience, God was making sure that his word would come to pass. And that's the thing about God's promises. They will come to pass. God will fulfill every word that he has spoken. That's why we want to get on the side of, of the promises for good. When God makes a promise that if we'll trust in him and do what he says, that he will bless us. That's where we want to be. But he will also watch over his word for adversity if we ignore his word or throw his words behind our back. Now God said only a small number of those who had gone into Egypt would ultimately return to Judah. And the Jews who had gone to dwell in Egypt would know whose words would stand, theirs or the Lord's. You see, they were saying, look, we're going to go back to Judah. They were thinking they would go back to Judah earlier than later. But God said, no, you're not. You're going to stay there. You're going to be consumed by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. And God said, just wait. You will see which words will stand. And that's the thing. The word of the Lord is truth. And truth will bear out over time. A lie will come. A lie will go. And many people have many ideas about what they think is right. But listen, God's word will come to pass in its time. And that's what he said here. You will see whose word will stand. And I will punish you so that you will know that it is my words that are standing and not yours. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will give Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hand of his enemies and into the hand of those who seek his life as I gave Zedekiah, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, his enemy who sought his life. Now, the thinking of the Jews who had escaped to Egypt was that they were finding some kind of refuge in Pharaoh Hophra. That was always a mistake to go back to Egypt and think that Egypt was going to deliver them in some way or protect them. According to the historian Herodotus, Hophra lost his throne there in Egypt in 570 BC, about 10 years later. He sent Amasis, one of his generals, to stop a revolt among those in his army. But the army united behind Amasis and made him pharaoh. Then Amasis defeated Hophra in battle and imprisoned him. And some time later, Amasis handed Hophra over to the Egyptians who then strangled him. So everything that Jeremiah had said, God would deliver Pharaoh Hophra into the hands of his enemies, just as he had done with King Zedekiah of Judah. 
We come now to chapter 45. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. Now, this word came to Jeremiah about 25 years earlier when Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, was king. As we have seen throughout the book of Jeremiah, it was not presented in chronological order. Now, this goes back, and we will maybe take a a guess at why uh, it is included here. But God told Jeremiah back at that time to write all the prophetic words that he had received onto a scroll. Baruch had been Jeremiah's scribe or secretary and had written all these down. Now, when the scroll was read to King Jehoiakim, he burned it. So God told Jeremiah to write the words on another scroll, and Baruch had been involved in this entire process. So at this point is when the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah specifically for Baruch. And he said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, Woe is me now. For the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Now, perhaps Baruch was discouraged because no one was receiving Jeremiah's words, and he was spending a lot of time writing this scroll, uh, both scrolls. You know, it's not uncommon for God's servants to become weary or discouraged. There is a spiritual battle at hand. We are dealing with with spiritual forces fighting against spiritual forces of evil. And that can be a wearisome process. And things don't always go the way we would like them to, the way we would expect them to. And the servants of God are subject to discouragement. The prophet Elijah, for example, was discouraged when uh, Jezebel threatened to kill him. And he ran away, ran for his life. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, was often struggling with depression. So it's not uncommon that these servants of God deal with these things. But God was speaking a word of encouragement to Baruch. He said, Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built I will break down, and what I have planted I will pluck up, that is, this whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord, but I will give your life to you as a prize in all places wherever you go. So it was an issue of timing. It was bad timing for Baruch to be seeking great things for himself. Now, whatever that meant, was he seeking notoriety? Was he seeking to be just uh, somebody that everybody uh, knew was the, the personal secretary of Jeremiah? Was he seeking uh, land or wealth or, or riches? You know, we don't know. It doesn't really say. He just says, don't seek good things for yourself, great things for yourself, because this place is coming down and it's just a matter of time. And of course, it all would happen. And now... Baruch and Jeremiah were older. This is about 25 years later, but all of um, Jerusalem and the cities in Judah had been destroyed. 
And so it just wasn't the time. And, you know, I think as we look at the landscape that we see today, we see incredible immorality. We see a turning away from God. We see people just doing whatever they want to do, whatever's right in their own eyes, ignoring the commandments of God. I cannot help but think that judgment is coming down upon us for all of these sins of our nation. And, you know, is this the time to be seeking everything that we want, what's great for ourselves, seeking riches or fame or whatever, satisfying our own desires. Instead, we should be doing what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, where he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, what God told Baruch is that, look, it's going to be enough for you to escape with your life. That will be the prize that you have. And even in the midst of terrible times, even in the midst of God's judgment, there's always a righteous remnant. There are those who are God's people whom God will preserve and bring through it. But we may not have anything in this life except our lives, which we get to keep for eternal life. And that's where we should find our source of contentment. As Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. May God help us to be content in what the Lord has given to us and really seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, which endure forever. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and please leave us a review. On Monday, we will return to the book of 2 Chronicles, where King Ahab in the northern kingdom of Israel persuades Jehoshaphat in the south to join him in war against the Syrians. It's an important lesson on spiritual discernment. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching through God's Word on Simply the Bible.